The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Well, if you would, turn to Nehemiah. Throw a, throw a kick in you this morning. Nehemiah, and uh, you may, it's on page 694 in my Bible. You may have to use your concordance. That's one of those things, the more you use it, the less you have to. But I usually just thumb it and flick around through till I find it. It's before you get to Psalm, I'm so uh, if you find Psalms, just go a little to the left and you'll find Nehemiah. We're going to be in chapter 2 this morning, and uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going we're to continue talking about living the abundant life. We started a couple of weeks ago on this, and we talked about three uh, real important principles when it comes to living the abundant life. And I don't want us to lose lose fact, uh, uh, lose sight of the fact this morning that Christ came and He said, "I came that you'd have life more abundantly." And we're going to read that scripture in just a moment. But uh, as we started this a couple of weeks ago, and I seem like I remind you of this uh, often, but I want you to remember that you can go back and review these sermons uh, online at eastdeltabc.com and. Also, if you're visiting with us this morning, we'd love to have a record of your attendance, and there's some visitor's cards in your pew, or you can go and connect with us on, uh, on our Facebook page also, and we'd love to, for you to come be a part of that. So uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be in the third, uh, third part of this series, and there's 12 steps, or there's 12 ideals to living the abundant life, and uh, this whole series is kind of based on three different principles that we find in God's Word, and we've gone over these the last two weeks, and I just want to quickly go on uh, again this morning. In Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, we're going to see that God has a plan for your life, and, and as we uh, remember that in Jeremiah 29, 11, God says through the prophet Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to, for you to prosper, and that's, that's a great word for us, and, and that uh, not to harm you, and plans to give you hope for a future. So that's God's plans for us, and, and regardless of where you are in your spiritual walk, God still has a plan for you. The second thing, there's a battle engaged for your life, and we talked about that. John 10, 10 says the thief, and he's speaking of Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's whatever God is doing. He wants to destroy. Uh, he wants to steal relationships. He wants to break up families. He wants to uh, destroy the church. He wants to, to steal anything and to kill anything and to destroy anything that God is doing. But Christ says, I've come that you'd have life and that you'd have it abundantly. And, and most translations say that you'll have it even more abundantly. The third thing and the third principle on having an abundant life is this. Too many of God's people are losing that battle. Uh, you know, Matthew nine thirty six. this is a great passage of Scripture. When we think about Christ and if we're losing the battle, we need to realize Christ has compassion. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were being harassed and they were helpless and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Christ came and he came and he said, I'm going to be your shepherd. I'm going to be a good shepherd and, and I want to direct you. And a shepherd cares for his sheep. And we could do a whole series really on what shepherds do and what they, uh, how they care for their children and their sheep. But uh, as we think about this, I want us to look at, at Nehemiah chapter 1 and the words of Nehemiah. 
the, the son of Hakanah, in the, in the month of Kevish, the twelfth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, uh, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant. Now, Nehemiah, he's, uh, he's away from the Jews. His brother comes, and he begins to question about those Jews who have survived the exile and about Jerusalem. So he asked about them, and uh, his brother in verse 3 said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the providence and are in great trouble and distress because the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Now, uh, just a little bit about that. If a, if a city has no walls and no gates, they're vulnerable to attack all the time. They have no protection. The only protection they had during this time is there were walls built around the cities and there were great gates there. And, and every evening the gates were shut and locked. And, and the next morning they were open and people would go out and do their business or their trading. But that evening they'd be back in and they would lock these gates. But the, the brother came and he said, in Jerusalem, they're in great distress and they're in great trouble. The, the wall is broken down. The gates have been burned with fire. And Nehemiah, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept because those are his, his people. <coughs> the, the folks there, the Israelites, they are, they are part of Nehemiah's people. And he had compassion for them. He wept and for days I mourned and fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. And then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and obey his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins of Israel were, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's house, have committed against you. And we've acted very wickedly towards you. And we have not obeyed your commandments, your decrees, your laws you gave your servant Moses. But remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. Now, Moses said, I remember what you told, uh, Nehemiah said, I remember what you told Moses. And I remember that you told Moses, if you, uh, if you disobey my commandments, if you uh, serve other gods, if you bear false witness, then I'm going to scatter you. And Moses says, God, uh, Nehemiah says, God, I remember those things you told Moses. But look at verse 9. He says, God, you also said, but if you return to me, if you obey my commandments, then even if you're in exile, and that's where they are, they're, they're in captivity, even if you're in exile, uh, people at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen for a dwelling for my name. They're your servants, your people, whom you redeemed with your great strength and your mighty hand. So as we think about this, uh, how does that, does that uh, kind of go along with living the abundant life? Well, I, I first I want you to think about where Nehemiah is and where the, the Israelites are. They, they're not living an abundant life. They're, they're in a place that there's no protection. They're in a place where they're vulnerable on every side. 
they're, they're in a place where they're held captive. And if you go on and read the rest of that passage and actually the whole book of Nehemiah, you'll see that Nehemiah, he's a servant of the king. He's the cupbearer for the king. And uh, he does some things that, that helps the nation of Israel come back to an abundant life, a life that God desired for them. You remember Israel is God's chosen people. <coughs> and as, Israel, as God's chosen people, they're living below what God had planned for them. Now today, in the age of the Gentiles, you're God's chosen people. We're God's chosen people. And if we're living below what God desires for us, then He says, I desire you to have abundant life. So I wanted us this morning to think about step number four, uh, to live in an abundant life. Now, the first three we've already kind of dealt with, and uh, these kind of follow right through. Uh, if, if, if step four is this, we need to make a plan. Now, I want you to think about <coughs> all the plans you make every day. You make a plan. This morning, you made a plan. Now, you may have done so that quick. But at some point, maybe yesterday, maybe this morning when your alarm went off, wherever, you made a plan. You said, I'm going to have to get up. I'm going to have to, to get dressed. I'm, I'm going to have to make breakfast or pour up some cereal. I'm going to have to do this. I'm, for, for some of you, I'm going to have to prepare because we're going to eat here in a little while. And, and so you just started making plans. And, and I thought about this. We make plans every day, don't we? And we make a lot of plans every day. I mean, and some of them are routine, but still in our routines, we're making plans. So as we think about this, as we think about all the plans we make, I want you to think about spiritually, how many times do you make plans spiritually? Because we're talking about getting to the point of living an abundant life. And, and I want us to think about our spiritual plans. Are we making plans spiritually? Remember in step one, we found out what life's supposed to look like. We answered four questions. Who am I? What am I? Where am I? And where do I really want to be? Where do I really want to go? And as we did that, those answers to those questions, those, those really help us identify what God has for us and what God has for you and what He has for me and, and really remembering that God has a plan for our life. That was step one. Step two, we talked about owning our life. In other words, taking responsibility for our life. We talked about this last week. And with that, the next step was embrace positive change. <coughs> We're never going to get anywhere without some changes or some new things in life. You know, if we're doing the same thing over and over and over, we can't expect change. So if we want to change and we'd say, I'm not living the abundant life, I want to be living the abundant life, then, then we need to make some positive changes. So that was step three. So the next, the next piece of the puzzle we could say is this, we need to make a plan. As we think about this is where I want to be or this is where I want to go, and we think about making a plan... <coughs> Got a little frog in my throat, I guess, from, from singing. Uh, as we think about making a, making a plan, uh, there's some steps that we have to go through to make a plan. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, really just something pretty simple. Nehemiah in chapter 2, God's called Nehemiah to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. Now listen to this. Nehemiah is 900 miles from Jerusalem. But God said, Nehemiah, I want you to go rebuild the wall. Remember this, Nehemiah is a slave. He's a slave to the king. He has no resources 
So the odds are not in his favor. But God has a plan. This morning you may say, well, I'm, <coughs> I'm 900 miles from where I need to be. I have no resources. I, 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 I really, I, I'm not sure what I need to go, where I need to go and what I need to do. If God has a plan, he's going to take you where he wants you to be. Even if you're 900 miles away, how's the first How's the first, uh, the first thing, or what's the first thing we do when we're going to take a, a 900 mile trip? We've got to turn out of our driveway, don't we? We've got to get in the car and, and we've got to start driving. And we drive one foot and then we drive 10 feet and then we drive 100 yards and then we drive a mile and then we drive two miles and then we drive 100 miles. And, and over time and over a certain amount of days or hours, then we reach our destination. Well, spiritually, we begin to build a plan and we may be a long way from where God wants us to be. But it takes a step. It takes a process. It takes putting together a plan. And that's what Nehemiah started doing. He, he had all the odds against him. Things weren't in his favor. But he realized this. Okay, God, you have a plan for me. Even though things are going wrong, even things may not be where I want them to be, I understand you have a plan. Now, I thought about it as I was thinking about the plan. John 14, 6 Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says to his disciples, I'm going to go away, and where I'm going, you need to come also. And Thomas, and this is talking about salvation, and of course, this is the first step to God's plan if we've never accepted Christ, but, but I love what Thomas said. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and if we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered that in the fact where he said, Thomas, I am the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And, and the first step to putting that plan together is realizing that, that through Christ we have the way, we have the truth, we have the life, we have the direction through Jesus Christ. <coughs> and that's what jo- J- Jesus was telling Thomas. He said, Thomas, I am the way, and I, I'm going to show you the way, and I'm going to make the way. So, so as we begin this process and we begin to make a plan, we need to know where we're going. Where are we going to head? We, we uh, take vacation trips, or we, we're going to leave here, and, and when we leave here, we, we have a plan. We, we know where we want to get. If you want to get home this morning, then when you leave here, for me, I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to turn left, and I'm either going to go straight, and go down around Alma's house, or I'm going to turn left right out here, and I'm going to go around, and I'm going to go in front of the Savage's house. I'm going to go, but I put that plan together, because I know where I want to go. So, so we need to have a plan, and we need to know where we want to go. If we want to walk the abundant life, we need to know where we want to get. So here's the second thing, after we have that plan... We need to inventory our resources. We need to start looking around. What am I starting with? If you would, turn over to Psalms chapter 50. (coughs) Boy, I'm sorry about this cough. Psalms chapter 50. Just take a right there in your scripture. I actually got that marked. And and drop down to verse 9. And and I want you to think about the resources this morning. I think sometimes, y'all remember we talked about that guy at the pool of Bethesda last week and... God went to him, Jesus went to him and said, do you want to be made well? And he'd been crippled for 38 years. And we think, well, what, what would his answer be? And, and instead of his answer being, yeah, God, here, uh, help me get to this thing, he says, I, I don't have the resources to get well. I don't have anyone to help me in the water. People get in front of me and people knock me out of the way. And, and so he, he really began to make excuses about resources. Now, if you 
go to Christ and you realize He's the way, the truth, and the life, I want you to look at the resources we have at our, at our fingertips. And I'm going to just jump in the middle of this scripture. I'm going to do this a couple times this morning. Psalms 50, Christ says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or goats from your pens, for every animal of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and all the creatures are fed of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that's in it. This is Christ. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Sacrifice, think, sacrifice, think, think offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of your trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. Now, here I want to read this out of the message. Okay, the message is kind of a more modern day translation, and <clears throat> I really love what the last verse says. But but listen to this passage. Now we're talking about our resources. God says, every creature of the forest is mine and all the wild animals and all the mountains. I know every mountain bird by name. The scampering field mice are my friends. If I get hungry, do you think I'd tell you? Because all of creation and all of its bounty are mine. Do you think I feast on venison or drink drafts of goat's blood? Now this is for us. Listen to what he says. Spread me a banquet of praise. Isn't that a great thought? Isn't that what we've done this morning? Spread me a blanket of praise. Serve the high God a feast of kept promises. Listen to that again. He says, what do I need from you? I own a cattle on a thousand hills. I have all the resources available at my fingertips. The world is mine. So what can we do to tap into those resources? Spread for me a banquet of praise and serve the high God with a feast of kept promises and call for help when you're in trouble and I will help you and you'll honor me. Isn't that a great passage of Scripture? I mean, when we think about, I don't have the resources. I'm not sure where to go from here. God says this, I have all the resources. I have all that you need. And and come before me and give me praise and and uphold my promises and call upon me and I'm going to help you and and I'm going to help you and and it's going to be for my praise and for my glory. So when we get that plan together and we start thinking about where we want to go and where we start thinking about the resources that God has given us and how we can use them, here's the third thing. We need to count the cost. We need to count the cost. I'm having you turn to a lot of scriptures this morning, but, but turn over to 1 Chronicles. I just want you all to see this. If you're in Nehemiah, go to the left. It's just a couple of books over there, and you'll find 1 Chronicles, and it's chapter 21 that I want us to go to. So 1 Chronicles chapter 21. <clears throat> and we're going to be down in verse 22, 1 Chronicles 21, 22. Now listen, count the cost. This is where a lot of people jump off the wagon. This is where a lot of people say, let me out of the buggy, because uh, I, I want to I be seen and heard, but, but I don't want to do. You remember we talked last week about if we want to have the abundant life, it takes some feet. It takes some action on our part. So we make a plan. We know where we're going. We realize where the resources are. And we need to count the cost. And I was thinking about this, and I thought about over here in First Chronicles, David. And David had a desire to serve the Lord. 
So David went, and we're going to read this. David went, and he began to talk to a man, and he said, you know, I want to build an altar here. And the guy said, okay, I'll give you the place to build an altar. I'll give you the calf. I'll give you everything you need to build an altar. But David knew that if it didn't cost him anything, it wasn't going to be worth anything. Look at what he says. Then David approached and with Aronah looked at him and, and saw him. He left the threshing floor and he fell down his face to the ground. Now, he recognizes David as the king. He recognized David as someone that God had anointed and set aside. And David said to him, let me have the sight of your threshing floor so I can build an altar to the Lord and that the plague on the people may be stopped. And look what he says, and I want to buy it. I want you to sell it to me at full price. And Aaronah said to David, no, take it. Let my Lord, the king, do whatever he pleases to him. Look, I'll even give the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing sledges for wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. I'll give all of this. <coughs> but King David replied to Aaronah, No, I insist on paying the full price. I'll not, I'll not take for the Lord what is yours, nor will I sacrifice a burnt offering that cost me nothing. Isn't that amazing? I mean, David realized that for, for his service to the Lord, it was going to be a cost. It was going to be something that, that's going that's to that's cost something. And, and for us today, it's going to cost us something at East Delta Baptist Church to be where God wants us to be. Now, am I talking about monetary things? No. I'm talking about there's going to be a price that we have to pay. If we're living a certain lifestyle and we want to have the abundant life that God desires for us, and we begin to put together a plan and we begin to think about the resources we need to have to put that plan together, it's going to cost us something. And you know, it's amazing to me, so often people, they're willing to give their pocket change or they're willing to give something other than their time because they don't want to give up that time because that costs them something. They're willing to give advice instead of service because... That cost us something. And, and folk, for us to be where God wants us to be, we need to realize that there's a cost to it. So as we think about all the things it takes to, to be where God wants us to be, we, we need to realize there's, there's something, a commitment. There's something it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us something. It's going to cost a little time. And, and I hope you don't bail off at this point and say, yeah, I want to live the abundant life, but, but frankly, I don't have time. Because there's some decisions that has to be made and there's some price that has to be paid. Here's the fourth thing. We have to prepare. If we're, if we're going to be where God wants us to be, I said earlier, uh, we make decisions. We have to prepare to be there. I, I talked a couple weeks ago about, about praying for a big garden. And I said, you know, if we want a big, huge garden and, and we want to feed everybody in the church and we say, God, here, this is what I want. I want to grow this huge garden. I want to be able to feed everybody in the church and, and I want this to all to be your glory. And then we go sit out in our chair and turn on Andy Griffith. And is it going to happen? No, it's not going to happen because God may send the sunshine and God may send the rain. But we've got to prepare. We've got to, we've got to put our plan to route. We've got to set goals, and we've got to set benchmarks, and we've got to move out, and we've got, to, we've got to map out a process that we would have success. That's the same spiritually. For Nehemiah, he started with his brother in November. That's when his brother came, and, and that's when his brother began to talk about the children of Israel in Jerusalem. 
He went and talked to the king in April, five months later. Was he just sitting around? No, he put a plan together. And he realized that, that he, when he went into the king, he had to have his, his eggs in one basket. He had to have a plan. He began to prepare things. Now, we didn't read all this, but over in Nehemiah, Nehemiah was the cupbearer for the king. Y'all know what that means? He, it's really like you see in the movies. He was the wine taster. He was the one that, that they poured the wine and the king said, hmm, this could be poisoned. Here, Nehemiah, have a drink. And Nehemiah drank it and, no, it's all good. And then the king drank it. I mean, that's, that's what he was. He was the cupbearer for the king. So as the cupbearer, he went before the king. Here was his plan he put together. He was downcast when he went before the king. He was saddened. He, his countenance was low. And, and he knew what the king would do. And the king said, Nehemiah, what's wrong with you today? And Nehemiah began to tell my people in Jerusalem, the walls are torn down, the, the, the gates are burned, and, and they're vulnerable. And, and through his planning, he, he put together this, this plan of this is where I want to be. You know, here's where I want to be, and here's my resources. And you know what the cost was for Nehemiah? If the, he went in the king's presence and the king said, your countenance is down and that's depressing me, I want you gone. I want this guy put in prison. I want this guy beheaded. He, he came before me with, a, with his countenance, and it was down, and I don't like that. See, that, that was the cost that he was willing to pay because his, as he prepared, that was his plan. And then he waited on God. Now, this is where I don't want us to get bogged down. Sometimes we say, okay, I'm just waiting on God. I know what my plan is. I know what the cost is. But I'm just waiting for God. Well, sometimes we outweigh God. Sometimes God is over there prodding us and pushing us and kicking us and shoving us, and we're still just going, oh, God, I'm just waiting on you to plant that garden for me. You know, just any day now, get after it, God. And, and I thought about old Moses. You know, in Exodus chapter 4, Moses went before God, and God said, Moses... Here Moses is standing before a burning bush and it doesn't burn up and a voice starts speaking out of the bush and says, Moses, I've seen the misery of my people. I want you to go and I want you to deliver them. And, and Moses says, who is this? And he says, I'm God. And, and Moses said, here's the plan. Here's where I want you to go. There may be some cost to it, but I'm sending you, Moses. Moses knew where he wanted to go. I mean, he knew where God wanted him to go, didn't he? But what did he do? He said, God, I need, I need some signs to make sure this is really you. Come on, Moses. I mean, you're standing at a bush on fire that's not burning up, and it's speaking to you. I, I need some signs, God. So God said, Moses, take your staff and throw it on the ground. And it became a snake. And what did Moses do? He ran from it. I just love that, you know. <laughs> a snake, you know. And, and God said, reach out and pick it up. He reached out and picked it up, and it became a staff. And then God said, Moses, put your, put your hand inside your cloak and, and pull it out. And he pulled it out and it was like leprosy. And, and uh, he said, okay, put it back in there. And he pulled it back out and it was healed. And he said, this is how you know I'm sending you. Boy, and that's some great signs. And Moses said, it's not enough. And Moses said, uh, God said, well, we'll take some water and, and pour it on the ground and it'll become like blood on the ground. But Moses said, that's still not enough. Listen to what Moses finally said. He finally said in verse 13 and 14, please let somebody else do it. 
Notice what the word says. And the Lord's anger burned against Moses. You know, we need to wait on God. We don't need to run ahead of God. But when we realize God has given us a direction and a purpose and a plan, and we begin to put those things together, when it's time to move, it's time to move. That brings us to, the, to my last points here. i got three things, and we're going to be closed up. As we put all of those things together, we have to start working our plan. We, we've got to work our plan. A plan is only as good as our commitment to making it happen. You can plan all day long. We can have meetings. We can plan. We can write down. We can come up with the good ideals. But until we, until we make it happen, it's nothing. I was thinking about, I actually put in my notes this morning, farmers, Carl and Pat. You know, you drive around. I was driving around out by the lake the other day, and, and I saw these fields. That's, I think it's corn. It's corn or milo. I have trouble telling them apart when they're little. But, but at some point, they begin to plow and at some point, they begin to go out and smooth the land and fertilize the land. And they, they took a drill and they drilled in some seed and, and the, the, there was nothing there. And then the rains came and the sun shined and the ground started getting warmer. And, and all of a sudden, there's plants starting to grow. And, and that, that was the plan. And, and for that to happen... Weeks and months ago, and maybe in some cases years ago, land had to be broken out and land had to be beginning to be prepared. And and all of those things had to start taking place because that was part of the plan. And in that, there was, a, there was an idea, and this is where I want to go, and this is what I want to do, and here's the cost, and, and here's the preparation that's going to take place. And, and as all of those things came together, then there was, a, there was work started behind the plan why is that any different spiritually? We want to be here. We want to have the abundant life. And we get a plan together and we begin to prepare things. We need to put those plans into motion. We may be 900 miles away, but how do we get there? It takes the first step. It takes the first step of saying, okay, here it is. I'm going to start moving towards my plan. I, I, I've got it all together. God, you've given me the direction. You're ready for me to go. Now let's, let's start putting that, that plan into action. In order for us to do that, we have to set the right priorities. We have to kind of take control of our life. We talked last week about owning it, about owning our life. But, but to make those things happen, we need to take control. We need to, we need to set right priorities. We need to stop living by everyone else's desire and everybody else has this for us and everybody else has these ideals. We need to take control of that and say, okay, right now my priority is this. I want to get back where God wants me to be. I want to live an abundant life. We, we have to take control of those things. It's simply amazing how many people want to be strong in Christ. They want to be exactly where Christ wants them. They want to have a, a deeper relationship with Christ. But, but for so many, they never spend an hour a week outside of church service building a relationship with God. It's just a Sunday morning thing. And, and church time, they have it, and they say, man... Boy, I want to have the abundant life. It sounds good. I want to have joy. I, I want to have God saying, you know, I've got plans for you to prosper, and I, I don't have plans not to harm you, and, and I have all these plans. Man, I want that. And, and we leave the place, and we never put action behind our plans and behind our desires. So we need to set those right priorities, plan our work, set the right priorities, make better decisions. If you think about where you are and how you got there, you may have made some bad decisions. 
You may have said, well, this is what I want, and this is what I thought I wanted, and this is where I thought it wanted to go, and, and, uh, and I, made a, I made a bad decision. And you know, every decision from the house we buy to the car we drive to the relationships we're in, whatever they may be, I mean, wherever they may lead us, we need to think about, okay, God, I'm going to consult you first because I want the abundant life. I want all that you have to offer me, but I need to make those right decisions. <clears throat> and if you're, a, if you're a, a, a supervisor, maybe if you're not a supervisor, maybe you're just somebody that goes out and works, as you think about working towards your goal, do you ever say this to anybody? Work smarter, not harder. I mean, isn't that something we hear all the time? I mean, work smarter, not harder. And sometimes we need to cut back and we need to commit on doing a few things well and not a whole lot of things poorly. We need to go back and say, you know what? I'm wanting to be where God wants me to be. And we're, we're like trying to get a drink of water out of the fire hydrant. You know, it's so much coming at us and we, we just can't do it. And, and we need to realize I need to work smarter, not harder. I need to choose a few things in my life that's going to help me start moving towards living an abundant life. And it's just like that getting in your car is the first step to getting on that trip. That's just a small thing. And, and we need to take those small steps. And as we take those small steps, we start moving towards being where God would want us to be in our life. Think your way through life. Don't, don't feel your way through life. Give some thought behind the process of, of here's where I want to be. Think about making good decisions no matter how you feel because good decisions are always good. Good decisions are always going to lead us in the right direction. And, and don't just add things to your priority list. Make a new priority list. Hey, this is where I want to be. This is where I believe God wants me. And here's my priorities. Here I'm, here's how I'm going to get there. And lastly, realize this, living an abundant life, it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen through planning. It's going to happen through really making preparations and then putting some action behind where God wants you to be. Let's pray together this morning. Father, as we think about your word, we think about Nehemiah, we see these steps in Nehemiah's plan, even though some of them came quickly and some of them took a while, we see that he... He consulted you, and he realized you do have a plan for his life. And, Father, just like every one of us in this room today, everyone listening today, you, you have a plan for our life. And, Father, as we begin to discover that plan, we, we need to think about how, what decisions and how we can move towards that. We need to start developing a plan and looking at our resources and, and counting the cost and realizing in all of those things where you want us, you'll provide, you'll lead. You have all the resources. And Father, as we move even past that, Lord, I pray that we'd begin to, to set good priorities, that we'd begin to make those right decisions in our life, Father, that we'd begin to work work smarter not harder father that we would we would take and we'd begin to focus on that first step that first action and then father through that step by step we'd begin to look back in our lives and say lord you've brought me a long way towards that abundant life and father i pray that you'd know that we would know today lord that you've come that we'd have life that we'd have it more abundantly And, Father, in you we find strength, we find hope, and we...
we find joy. I thank you for your many blessings. I thank you, Father, for your direction for our life. And I pray, Lord, that we would know when we come to you, we come just as we are. We come empty-handed. We don't come after we get everything straight. But, Father, you desire we come just as we are, simply on the fact that your blood was shed for us. You offer us eternal life. You offer us forgiveness. You offer us direction. I pray, Father, now as we have an opportunity to respond to your spirit, I pray that you'd, remove, you'd move freely within our lives, that Satan would be removed from this place, that we would truly just hear from you, spend time in your presence, a time of prayer, a time of word, a time of song to you in Jesus' name.